Welcome in to episode three of the Hog of the Mic podcast, hosted by myself, Will Colossa. Uh, today, I'm here with my grandpa. Um, he was a member of the Navy, um, and that is mostly what we're going to talk about today. Um, grandpa, I'll, I'll let you introduce yourself um, add, and add in anything that you think is relevant. So I'll let you go ahead with that. Well, thanks, thanks, Joe. Uh, yeah, I'm Joe's grandfather. I said uh, I, I was in the Navy in uh, 1960 to 1966. Um, my uh, my entrance in the Navy was uh, because of a good friend of mine uh, who asked me. Uh, I I realized I wasn't going to be able to pay for college, and uh, he asked me to join as a uh, as a buddy on the buddy plan with Morty O'Brien. And I, uh, uh, from leaving high school uh, in September, we were transferred out to uh, San Diego to the Naval uh, naval base there for, uh, for training. Um, my, my thoughts at that time were that uh, as an individual, uh, I was always taught to be a giver, and I thought it was important that I would serve my country. And I realized uh, when I took my oath, et cetera, that uh, I had made an agreement uh, with uh, uh, by honoring the Constitution that stated that I would uh, defend the Constitution of the United States and, uh, and uh, protect the people that were in our country. I never realized uh, at that point that uh, my commitment had to do with just a couple things. It had to do with liberty, and it had to do with responsibility, and it had to do with protecting the Constitution. <clears throat> Today, I often get people that walk by and thank me for my service because I do wear a military cap once in a while, and I realize that I didn't have to agree with people's politics or anything else. All I all that I was agreeing to was that I believed in liberty and freedom and uh, the 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 right of 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 our beliefs as far as the Constitution, as far as as the laws of our Constitution, and that was the people that I was representing. I didn't have to represent anything else other than this was critical to the to our nation as far as our continuation of our constitution and our liberty. Um, the Navy was a, a wonderful uh, time for me. I was a young man uh, growing up. I uh, didn't really have a uh, a good understanding of what I wanted to do and the Navy put me into electronics. So my career was spent in radar and missile guidance and gunfire and that type of thing on board ship. The uh, When you give, you always get back. One of the things that I got from the Navy was I attended schools that were the quickest time that you could learn something uh, with just the information. And we were, uh, with the nine weeks or 12 weeks of training, we would be operating 
gunfire systems, radars, that type of thing, et cetera. Um, the, the part that was the, the most valuable to me was learning that you didn't necessarily have to know all the background, but you could you could quickly come into compliance with what you had to do to operate systems and learn what was going on. Um, that was valuable to me in my later life, particularly when I went into sales, was realizing that a college education is very valuable because it gives you information, but uh, some of these quick learning things allow you to make quick decisions and understand stuff that I don't, I'm not sure I would have learned from college. Um, the, uh, uh, the important aspect of, I guess, of what I'm saying is, is that the Navy provided me with an education that I could continue to go on after I get out of the service. Um, I served aboard a ship, the USS Newport News, a heavy cruiser that was built in 1949, right after the war. Um, the uh, British had found out that uh, the uh, Germany had automatic firing large guns. And there was like six or seven ships built uh, they couldn't afford it, so they passed on the information to the United States, and we had uh, we had uh, at that time uh, some heavy cruisers built uh, that would have automatic firing guns. The uh, the eight inch guns that were on the ship were capable of firing a uh, hundred rounds out of three uh, barrels on turret one and turret two. Uh, you would have a hundred rounds of ammunition in the air at the same time. So we were like a battleship. If we had to be off coast, we could fire on land and protect who would be fighting or uh, to hit an enemy, et cetera. Um, the, the most important thing I learned in the Navy was following orders. Uh, it's very difficult for young people to follow orders. Uh, when I went to boot camp, I realized that uh, I, I wasn't good at following orders. I always wanted to ask why. I learned in the Navy that they didn't have time to tell you uh, why. You just needed to follow because it would mean saving somebody's life or losing somebody's life. It was a, it was a, uh, a, a growing up uh, for me to realize that there was things you just needed to do when you were told to do them if you were going to be part of a team. Teamwork in life is very important. No one is going to be totally successful without working with other people. And you have to pay attention and listen to what they're telling you because you may understand of why it's so necessary uh, to understand what they're communicating to get something done. Um, my career in the Navy was uh, uh, fairly short. I traveled uh, mostly in the Mediterranean uh, uh, we made uh, trips to uh, South America and also to the North Atlantic. I got to visit many places I would never have been able to afford at that time. I, I learned at a critical understanding that many do not understand about being citizens of the United States. And that is that we are a very blessed country. Uh, and visiting different parts of the world, I recognized how poor people were, how uneducated people were, how 
hungry people were. Uh, there was just, it was just a rude awakening uh, as a young man, not realizing the gifts that we have in the United States. Uh, I never forgot that because I realized that we had something to offer, and that was by giving back uh, uh, to other uh, other people. Uh, you know, in life, uh, giving uh, needs to be learned when you're a small child. You got to understand that in giving is when you receive, and uh, I've tried to do that all my life, uh, whether it's in uh, uh, giving up my time. Uh, giving up treasure, uh, but but doing things for other people without expecting a return. Because the return that you always get is the fulfillment of knowing that you're able to, in a small way, help other people. Um, yeah. my, my Navy experience was, uh, was a wonderful opportunity. Uh, it, it gave me a uh, it, it gave me a guideline of how life is lived in most other places and how important it is to try to uh, try to help people understand that they need to have freedom and liberty to do things. The United States is a wonderful country. It's, it's a country that is so blessed that most people don't even recognize it. And for any person that fails to recognize the opportunity they have from living in the United States, from education, from jobs, from from what you can do on your own, uh, you're missing a wonderful gift. Uh, and it's something that you do not want to uh, lose. You don't you need to take advantage of it. Uh, my grandson, Joe, is just starting out and. He needs to have a mentor. Uh, he needs to find someone, whether it's going to be on the podcast or whatever it is, that can really help him do a much better job. And those people are out there. All you got to do is ask and and go find out. Um, yeah. I, I do want to say you are three for three so far on calling me Joe. I will say that. So. Oh, well, <laughs> yes, well, I got a lot of grandchildren. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry, Will. You're uh, good. But um, but if you take advantage of collective knowledge and you can work with people, uh, you can you can change the, the world and your environment. And that's what's important to do. You want to make things better than you received. And it's it's easy to do if you are willing to do the work. Uh, too many people today are afraid of working. Um, and I'm talking about labor. I'm not talking about the, the mental type stuff, et cetera. You know, part of, part of understanding who you are is recognizing that you have physical capabilities to do something. Uh, you can earn money. You can, uh, you can give your time up. You can do all kinds of things. And it's, it's critical for you to do that because it helps other people and you are rewarded from seeing them grow and, and, and being able to do the same thing. So uh, from my standpoint, uh, I, I, like to, I like to go back and look at my experiences and learn what I've learned from those 
and then share it with somebody else to make sure they get the same opportunity. Uh, so um, that's that's so important uh, to people and to yourself. Um, there's always going to be poor people. There's always going to be people you can help. There's always people that are in need. And uh, doing it, not because you have to do it, because you want to do it, makes a big change in everybody's life. Um, yeah, that, that was good. Um, that, that was a lot. I mean, I, I just want to let you go because that was all great stuff. Um, but I, I do kind of want to like bring it back to the, you know, kind of your beginning and your upbringing. So I know you were brought up in Oran, Missouri, correct? Oran is, was yes, I, I was raised in a small uh, uh, city uh, or town, I guess, in Southeast Missouri. <clears throat> It was called Oran, Missouri. Uh, it was a uh, non-industrialized area. Most people were farming or working as farmhands. Uh, and growing up, I remember uh, at one point of my youth, I wanted a, a blue jean jacket and they cost $2. Um, so when I went to my father to ask to see if I could buy a jacket, he said, well, as long as you earn the money, you can buy the jacket. So I decided uh, I had a, a good friend, Buster Bullinger, who they would pick cotton. And I joined them on a Saturday and, and then the following Saturday. And if you picked 100 pounds of cotton in a 12-foot-long nylon bag, you got paid $1 for 100 pounds. So I made a dollar on one Saturday, and the next Saturday I made the second dollar. And I went to the store to buy my blue jean jacket, but it cost $2.02, not just $2. And I recognized the value of money. I decided that blue jean jacket wasn't worth $2. Wow. So I never bought, I kept my two bucks and never bought the jacket. But hey, it, it what was year is this? Uh, what year? Yeah, this would be like 1950, 1949 or 1950. Wow. And uh, people that I met working, uh, uh, picking cotton, a man could pick like 500 pounds of cotton a day and a woman might pick 300 pounds of cotton a day. And they actually raised their family on $8 a week by picking cotton. Now, I wouldn't advise anybody to do it because you'd be dead by the time you're 40. But uh, yeah. but uh, working working proves something to you. It, it shows you the value of a dollar and what's important about earning money. And uh, that was a great experience for me because that jacket was burning a hole in my pocket until I found out that I had to pay $2.02. Um, wow. Uh, but uh, th those are things that, that if you sit back and realize what you've done and what the cost is, you can make very good decisions about how you want to proceed in life. Um, I, we lived we lived in Southeast Missouri for uh, the time until I was about uh, 12 years old. Uh, and then we moved to St. Louis uh, and uh, went to a larger city. My father had to find a job because there really wasn't a lot of uh, jobs around uh, where we were at. It was mostly farming and we didn't own a farm. Uh, so we moved to St. Louis and uh, I attended uh, 
schools, Catholic schools, uh, where they sort of embedded in us the idea of of being uh, generous and caring. And uh, I'm thankful for those people who shared that information with me because it's uh, been a, an important part of my life uh, of trying to continue that that message. Uh, yeah. The uh, interesting point of going to school, though, in southeast Missouri, uh, uh, I, I, I found one of my uh, third grade teachers taught me uh, a very important lesson also. She said, Fred, no matter what happens to you, God loves you. And if you ever understand that, you'll never have a problem. You'll never be afraid. You'll never have to worry about anything. And when I was growing up, I learned that lesson. And and to be very honest with you, people that don't know who God is and don't know who they are, they're never going to really feel comfortable in this world because we're only visitors here. And uh, that that message never left me. Uh, it, it, it took care of all kinds of worries that I would have. I would always recognize, what do I got to worry about? God loves me. I know God does. I know who he is. And it also gave me a, a, a my my ability to determine what I was going to do with my life. Um, so we moved to St. Louis. I attended uh, school in St. Louis, uh, the high school. Ooh, great school. Okay. I already told you I joined the Navy right after high school. Mm -hmm. um, when I returned from the service, I, I started college at the University of Missouri uh, in St. Louis, UMSL. I found that uh, education was still not a priority for me, a formal education uh, at the time. And uh, I decided I was going to study, and I've done that the rest of my life. I've continued to study every day. Uh, but I, 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 I knew what my skills were, and I wanted to apply my skills, and I didn't find that college was going to be that place that I was able to do that. Uh, I'm different uh, probably from a lot of people, but I was more formulated on what I wanted to become uh, after I got out of the service and I knew what I needed to study. And that that's how I pursued my job. Um, so um, you said earlier, you said that um, you're, you had a, a friend or someone that kind of, um, talk you into or suggested going into the Navy? Like that wasn't something that you were planning on doing prior? Well, I, I my intentions were to go to college. I was going to go off to the University of Missouri. Uh, my problems was no. that all the little jobs I had, I, I, I was not going to be able to afford to really stay in college. I'd have to get out of school, work, go back. And I didn't want to do that. So Marty O'Brien, uh, who was my uh, good buddy, still my good buddy, we're still good friends. Uh, he came by one day and asked me, he said, do you want to join the Navy? And I said, uh, I'd rather join the Marines. He said, well, I'm going in the Navy. So we joined on the buddy program. And it was a, a good decision. And I'm glad, he, I'm glad he asked me if I wanted to go with him. Uh, although we never served together, except in boot camp, we, we uh, continued to be friends uh, uh we uh uh we've we've shared a lot of things over the years over the 50 60 70 years now that we uh that we've been alive so yeah. and then um 
was he because you said you were in kind of the electronics with radar and stuff like that was he doing the same things or was that a reason that you guys didn't serve together was because he was in another branch of the navy well we no he did not uh marty marty went into the service to be a cb his his parents owned a construction company and he was in the construction business so he took a, a completely different route than i did i I went aboard ship. He never served on ship. He was always doing uh, buildings and stuff in different countries. And uh, during the Cuban crisis, uh, we uh, we both were happened to be down in uh, Guantanamo, uh, Cuba, after we had uh, cleared the Russian missiles off of Cuba. Uh, we ported at uh, Guantanamo, and I was with uh, uh, <clears throat> with him. Uh, on his 21st birthday, and that was the only time that we were ever together in the service after we had uh, went through boot camp. Wow. Okay. And then another thing that I know you talked about earlier was, you know, noticing the um, poverty and stuff like that in other countries. Were there certain countries where that was more pronounced or like, where did you really see that the most? Well, you know, at the time, uh, at the time I was in the service, uh, uh, John Kennedy had started a program where the kids were going to countries and working. And uh, the United States uh, was very involved in helping countries develop. Uh, there was no, the only countries that I was in that I visited that was even close to being equivalent to the United States as far as, uh, you know, progress was some of the Scandinavian countries. All the other countries were the services, the you know, ever ever the schools, everything was different because they didn't have the money, uh, they didn't have the, uh, they didn't have an open society. You know, somebody was always controlling their interests or whatever was going on, and people didn't really have a good opportunity. Uh, the worst place I was at was uh, after I was trying to catch my ship, I was flown over to. Uh, uh, Morocco and we were just outside of the capital Morocco and to be very honest the whole country stunk it they didn't have sewage um the the people were poor uh there was a lot of a lot of trouble you know it was always uh different little groups getting together and getting in a fight etc it was something I I, I just never witness you know i mean i it was a a, a rude awakening of how most people live yeah. i remember in italy uh i was walking on the street i uh we had ported in uh in italy and i thought i was going to go see a movie so i got an italian newspaper and uh i seen a, a john wayne movie i knew I, I i knew i wouldn't understand the english but i'd seen the movie i thought i'll go to the movie well i had the newspaper and there was an elderly woman at the time. She was probably only 50, but she was following me down the street. And so finally I turned around and I said, is there something that you want? You know, and she and she pointed to my newspaper. And I said, oh, okay, well, here, I, you know, I bought a newspaper. It wasn't much money, but I gave her the newspaper. Well, the thing that shocked me the worst was she went into a park. She took the newspaper and covered herself up to sleep on a park bench. Wow. And that was in 1961, I think. Wow. So Europe had Europe was not, not even equivalent with 
resources and stuff to the United States. Yeah. But the other countries in Africa and and uh, South America, you know, they, they were it was very difficult a difficult yeah. life. Wow, that's crazy. Wow. Okay, so you said that you were uh, in the Navy for six years, right? From sixty from nineteen sixty to nineteen sixty six. I guess that's seven years. Yeah. Okay, and then. So, you, and you said you spent most of your time like in the Mediterranean and South America? Uh, no, I didn't spend a lot of time in South America. We spent okay. more time, I, I visited, but okay. we spent, most of our time was the Mediterranean and the North Atlantic. Uh, that was where we got our steam. Okay. I got off the ship before the, my, the, the ship I served on finally went to Vietnam, but I wasn't aboard. Okay. Wow. That's crazy. Okay. Um, did you ever like, I mean, I don't, what was the biggest thing going on during that time? 1960s was like, cause the, uh, that was like the cold war was during that time. Right. That was like seventies. Uh, well, the biggest thing that happened when I was on board ship was the Cuban crisis. Okay. That was when we got an agreement to take the missiles off of Cuba that Russia yeah. was putting on. And, and, uh, we didn't know a lot about what was happening, but now that I read about the thing, it was the closest we come to a nuclear war. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> the The two sides were not going to back down, and finally, uh, the the Russia ba Russia backed down because we took our missiles out of uh, Turkey. Mm -hmm. You know, we acted like they were the only ones backed down. That's not true. Uh, the United States took missiles out of uh, Turkey. To that would be so. It sort of calmed everything down from a nuclear threat gotcha. uh when i was in high school you know they used to tell us that there's a nuclear threat what you got to do is bend down and get underneath your desk in case there's a nuclear attack uh yeah. at least your desk and you would go at the same time and they don't <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah, uh that's crazy was there any like any um thought or, or worry that something was going to you know go down while you were serving or did you well did you always feel pretty safe or particularly during the the cuban crisis uh the cold war the cold war went on uh for a number of years you know mm -hmm. i i'm I, I went to berlin i i seen the difference between east berlin and west berlin you know they had the wall they had the the, the russians put up this wall and you know if, if you were Anybody with any intelligence at all, you can look at one side and Russia was bombed, you know, bombed out. all. I mean, Germany was bombed out all over, you know, after the the war on the east, on the east side, it was devastated. On the west, the west was controlled by, you know, the free nations and they were booming. Yeah. And it, 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 you know, and people today talk about communism or socialism. For God's sakes, people wake up. You know, I, that it, it, it it's so it, it's mind boggling the difference between a socialist country and a and and a, a capitalist country or or, or democracy. Yeah. Uh, people have got to wake up. Uh, they they have no idea of what the challenges are of living in a socialist country. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, um, yeah. That that's crazy. I mean, wow. What I don't know, I yeah, that's crazy. I never really because I've never really had to 
I've never seen that, you know, like you said you have, or, or really had to think about that, I feel like, but um, it, is know, that something that you think is kind of today well, is a problem? If every high school student could have the opportunity to go to a socialist country just to visit one day, yeah, they would recognize without, you don't even have to ask any questions. You just go, holy crime and that way. What the heck is going on there? Uh-huh. And and it doesn't matter which one you go to. You can go to Cuba. You can go to uh, North Korea. You can go to any country, any one of them that you want to, and just see how the people live there. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's insane. Yeah, we and we have socialists today all over this country. I I, I don't I don't know who I don't know how silly you can be. Yeah, do you do you think that's a threat to this country today like do you think that's something that is uh possibly not as long as as people like i'm alive because there there's no way that we you know we've experienced it you know you 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 need to take a trip one time if you ever get the opportunity just to see the difference yeah yeah that's crazy wow well i mean are there any, you know, specific stories or anything that really stick out to you from being in the Navy other than, you know, like the ones that you've already told about seeing the, the um, you know, European countries and stuff like that? Or is there any like, you know, crazy war stories or anything that you have? Well, you know, the, the good part about being in the Navy was you couldn't spend your money unless you just gambled on board ship. So... The Navy would always cause a lot of trouble when they went into port because we we might have saved up. We might have been gone for a month. So we got a month's worth of salary. Yeah. And and as a youngster that don't know how to handle money, it generally ends up into some. I'm not going to tell any stories because my wife would find out. But, uh, <laughs> but you uh, you had too much money, you yeah. know, and the, the to give you an idea. We could buy a carton of cigarettes for a dollar on board ship. Cigarettes were worth twenty bucks as soon as one pack of cigarettes was worth twenty dollars when you're in a foreign country because they always wanted American cigarettes. And uh, uh, so I I wasn't a smoker uh, uh, at least of any quality when I was in the service, but boy, I sure got my monthly ration of cigarettes. <laughs> You could buy anything with cigarettes. Yeah, uh, but uh, no, there there was a lot of goofy things. You know, we, I, one of the goofiest things we ever did, we we pull into Mardi Gras, and uh, if you've ever <laughs> been to Mardi Gras and you're a youngster and no one's <laughs> taking care of you, you're getting a lot of trouble. So yeah, <laughs> what was what was the uh, go to uh, way to gamble on ship? Well, I'm sorry. Say again. What was like the go-to way to gamble when you were on the ship? Like, what was there a, a you know the big game that everyone was playing, or any like you know just playing cards, or, or how well, do people gamble? Well, gambling gambling was something a lot of guys made money at. There was uh, professional gamblers in the navy, professional pool shooters in the navy. You know that they could take advantage of any youngster coming in and get his money. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, gambling was something we, we, you know, we really once in a while had a movie. Uh, there wasn't a lot of entertainment on board ship. You know, you were basically had duty. Most of the time you were repairing something or painting or chipping paint. You know, uh, they kept you busy. I, I, I want to tell you one story about going on board the USS Newport News. I was a striker because I was going to go in the fire department. Uh, I mean, fire control uh, when I joined, when I had went through school. And uh, but when you get on board ship, you're not really put into a division uh, at the first part. Well, the Newport News had just been in dry dock, been repainted and all the things going on. We were just getting ready to go back out to sea. It was after about uh, three months or four months and uh, just in port. And um, so we had to load stores on the ship before we went. We had to load ammunition. We had to load food, milk stores, all kinds of stuff. So I was put on the deck force and we were carrying uh, uh, cases of milk. We had a in the front of the ship, there was a reefer, which was a big refrigerator. And in the back was a reefer. So. We're carrying milk forward to put in the reefer and forward. And so for two days, we're just taking milk. You know, just, all we're doing all day is working, carrying milk. And I'm looking at the size of the reefer and I'm like, we can't put that much milk in there. We've been carrying, you know, we've been carrying a ton of milk for two days and we're not, it's not filled up. Uh -huh. Well, what they were doing while we were walking forward, they were having other guys taking milk out of the backside of the river <laughs> and on a lower deck going aft. So I I happened to look over and I looked down and I, I said, hey, boats. I said, I don't know if you know this, but we're carrying milk forward and these other guys are carrying it aft. What the hell are we doing? He said, Sturgeon, <laughs> did we ask you to think? <laughs> so we kept carrying milk. They want to keep you busy to keep you out of trouble. Yeah, that's funny. Wow. <laughs> but that happened in the service. You learn that you're going to be doing stuff that makes no sense at all, except to the guy who's in charge of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Oh, man. Well, I think this is awesome. Um, you know, like I was saying to you before, like I knew that you were in the Navy, uh, but I really I didn't really know much other than that. Um, so I think this was just really cool to be able to talk to you and, 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 you know, get a lot of those specifics. Um, so I really do appreciate, unless you've got anything else that you'd like to say, but um, I, I, I only thank you for asking me. Yeah. Yeah, of course. No problem. Um, I knew that I knew that you'd have a lot of good stories and I, I definitely wanted to, uh, you know, get some of those out of you. Um, so I, I really do appreciate you, you know, coming on um, and on pretty short notice as well. So um Thank you, and uh, hopefully I'll see you at Christmas. So you'll right, we'll see you. Will. <laughs> yep. I'm not going to call you Joe again. Okay, that's good. I think you know that that's that's at least two in a row where you call me the right name. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I had nine kids. Yeah. <laughs> how many? How many grand uh, grandchildren do you have? Uh, Twenty five. Okay. Yeah. I I stopped. I remember when you got to 20 and I was like, that's crazy. But <laughs> well, we inherited some, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you again. Um, this is awesome. And um, yeah, like I said, I'll see you at Christmas. So
Have a great time the game. Yep, I will. Have a good one, Grandpa. Bye-bye. Yep.